after college, I had one of those relationships that should have never even started that I allowed to continue. And I moved down to Virginia, and I should have just cut it off there because I was about five and a half hours away. But I chose to try to maintain that relationship. And uh, unfortunately, I was broke as a joke on Coke and didn't really know how to, how to like meet up halfway because I didn't have any money for gas. And, uh, and so I was like, okay, here's what I'll do. I will uh, put in my Chevy Aveil that didn't have any air conditioning. Uh, I will put the windows up, and I will drive there. And uh, it was so bad because it was the summer uh, in Virginia that I had to bring an extra pair of clothing uh, because I would sweat through my, my clothing, hoping that I could stretch my gas enough to get there and then come back on fumes also I could hang out with this girl who I was obsessed with, who I should have never have been obsessed with in, in the first place. Can I get an amen from Ava? And so... Uh, <laughs> I found myself when we broke up using this word and speaking out of both sides of my mouth. To her, I was like, I need you. I can't live my life without you. And then when I was being tough inside or tough to my buddies, I was like, to heck with her. I don't need her. I, I would say this word need over and over again all because I was obsessed and had a, had a faulty viewpoint. Jesus uses this word need. And I want you guys to think about how he uses this word. We're going to look at John uh, chapter 4 today. It will eventually be up on the screen. Uh, but I want to set this up. Jesus is at a point in his ministry where he's traveling from Judea to Galilee. Now that may not mean a lot from us, but he's going from the south to the north. And in between is this pocket of country called Samaria. Now Jews and Samaritans hated each other. It was a place of rivalry. It was a place of discrimination. It was a place of like, we do, we're going to do you wrong, you do us wrong. Like that's just, that was just life. And so a well-meaning Jewish person would travel around Samaria to get then where they were going. They would never go through it. But in the text that we're going to be looking at, as we set it up, Jesus says, I need to. He uses that word need. It's necessary. It's, it's, in, it's in an imperative type of form where there is a moral obligation for Jesus to go to Samar the Samaritan region that no one else in their right mind would say, but Jesus needed to because he had to have a conversation with a woman at a well and let her decide where she was going to find, where she was going to thirst, and have this type of a conversation. Jesus is never going to have the conversation that we're going to look at today if he sat in a place of comfort. Sometimes we have to be willing to get uncomfortable to reach people no one else is reaching. And so because Jesus didn't sit in comfort, he went to this woman at the well, and she found herself questioning things that I want us to question today. What's truly going to quench my thirst? Have I made a God out of singleness? Have I made a God out of relationships? As we close out this fall field series, I want us to wrestle with these things. So here's where we'll pick up the text. It says, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Now here's what we know. From earlier in the text that we didn't look at, we know that this is around noontime. So she's coming at the hottest portion of the day in, in the Israel, uh, Israeli climate. She's not coming in the morning. She's not coming in the evening. Why? She does not want to be seen by people. She's avoiding people, which gives us a, cue, a, a clue into her, the type of person that she is. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Well, rabbis... And the super religious, they won't talk to him, but Jesus thankfully doesn't care about cultural standards. He cares about God's standards, and so he has a conversation. Uh, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. 
Now, what I know of Jesus is that he can make it rain some bread. He, if he needs food and if they're hungry, Jesus could just make this happen. But he knows that he need, he's going to send the disciples in because he knows he's going to have a conversation with this woman. That if Jesus shows up with his 12 homeboys, she's likely not going to have this conversation. So he sends them away so that this can be the focus. And the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask me, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. I thank God that Jesus values an all-inclusive gospel message just like us. That this woman needed to hear the gospel and nothing was going to stop him from having this conversation. She is a woman. Well, well, uh, he didn't let that stand in his way. He, she was a Samaritan. She's likely uneducated. She's likely poor. She's an outcast. She's, she's from a lower class. She's going to be, she's immoral as we're, going to, as we're going to see. Culturally, she's nameless. We never know her name, but you know who knows her name full well? Jesus. And he says, I'm going to value an all-inclusive gospel message where I'm not going to let anything stop me from bringing people the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And so back to our text, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, uh, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jesus is telling her that he's a, <laughs> the greatest gift on earth. <laughs> Women, have you ever been there when somebody thinks that they're God's gift to the earth? <laughs> Jesus is kind of saying that, but he's the only person in the history of mankind that's actually true. He is literally God's gift to mankind. <laughs> and so the woman said to him, sir, uh, you have nothing to draw water with, and the, and the well is deep. Where do, you, where do you get this living water? So she's naturally confused. Uh, are, are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, and as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him, give, will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You know what Jesus is describing? Wellspring. You know what a wellspring is? I googled it for you. Wellspring is an uh, original and bountiful source of life. He's going to this woman who thinks he's talking about water and saying, no, if you come to me, I am the original and, and uh, a bountiful source of life. You come to me, you will never thirst again. I got you. He's talking about the original wellspring. And the woman said to him, sir, Give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. He thinks he's still talking about this water. No. Jesus is above us. Jesus has a different perspective. Jesus is talking about heavenly things. But she is stuck with everything that she can see, everything that she can touch, everything that she can rationalize. Isn't that sometimes the problem between us and God? Isn't that sometimes where the disconnect happens between us and God? We're looking to God from an earthly perspective where God speaks and acts and thinks from a heavenly perspective. And that sometimes brings a disconnection because of God's great perspective. So after that relationship, I decided I didn't want to live over here uh, uh, running with girls and doing things of that nature. I knew I needed to get back to my roots. I, need, I know I needed to get back to Jesus and being focused on Jesus. So what I decided to do was to jump onto the fence. <laughs> And if you've ever been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I wasn't willing to go completely all, all the way over to the other side. But so I, I hung on the fence and said, that was good enough. And so I got myself an account on ChristianMingle.com. <laughs> okay, so, so I did that. 
And I found myself, since I was riding the fence, I got myself into Christian uh, situationships where I was like, hey, girl, you love Jesus. Oh, cool. Let's go back over here and do things we shouldn't be doing. And, and I was like, I was a dirtbag. And I was like, oh, and then and I was like, ah, I'm a monk. I, was, I had it. I was like, I'm going to be a monk. I'm done with this life. I, wanted, I didn't want to ride the fence. I wanted to be on the other side with Jesus. <laughs> And so it got to the point where a friend invested into me, asked me the right questions, and confronted me with, Jason, where are you trying to find satisfaction? He wasn't in my face about it, but it was something that I had to think about. So Jesus, in this moment, isn't, isn't rushing her to say a quick prayer. He, isn't, he's taking, he is taking time for a conversation. He is inviting her on to a journey, but now a journey that she's no longer going to have to journey through life alone at the watering hill. Whole. Now he's inviting her onto a journey that will forever involve him. And so do we pause to have conversations? Do we invite people on to a journey? And is the journey such where, hey, I'm not inviting you onto a nice little journey. Continue doing what you're doing, but let's just add Jesus to it. No, let's go a completely different direction. Say, not the heck with all this other stuff. Just give me Jesus, and he is a lot enough. I don't want a nice addition. I want life change. And do we invite people to consider that journey? And so here's where now the conversation goes. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband. Come here. The woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said, you are right in saying, you ha I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. <laughs> and the one that, you, that is now, the one that you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. This just gets weird. Jesus, Jesus actually went there. Jesus said this. <laughs> and what is Jesus bringing to the surface? Her singleness. <laughs> what is Jesus bringing to the surface? Her, her promiscuality, if you will. Why? Because Jesus wants her to wrestle with, look where you're trying to find satisfaction. Look where you're trying to find contentment. How is that working for you? Five? Sounds like you're not content being single, but it also sounds like you're not content with men. Five? How's the stay thirsty, my friend, thing really going for you? <laughs> Jesus is gentle and he's firm. Jesus is not saying, hey, you know, I condone what you're doing. I'm good with what you're doing. Hey, let's go find numbers six, seven, and eight. <laughs> no, Jesus is saying, this is, this, is, this is awful. This is not good. But what he's not saying is it's unforgivable. He's not looking at her with his condemning spirit saying, oh, oh, five. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, no, he sees it as forgivable because he sees that he can enter into the, the equation with compassion and love. He's using this to, to bring out her deepest longing. That it's no longer temporary relationship after temporary relationship. No, come to me. Every relationship you will find here on earth is by nature temporary because sometimes they're going to go, sometimes they're going to kick the bucket, but here I am. I offer you a relationship that is eternal. You can only find that with me. And so I jump off of the fence. Uh, I start digging into my relationship with Jesus Christ. I became a monk. I took myself out of the, not a real monk, but, I, but like I took myself out of the dating game. I went to two churches because I was in Virginia, uh, in Lynchburg, Virginia, where there is a billion churches. I found two of them that had different philosophies of ministry, but were both preaching Jesus, and I just needed to soak it in. I volunteered in a kid's ministry. I signed up for a missions trip. I, I surrounded myself with people that thought like me, people that were going to guide me towards Jesus, not towards women. 
I devoured the word of God because I knew that my thinking was so messed up that I needed to soak my head in truth so that the truth of God's word could saturate all that I was thinking. I had to get to a point in the season of my life to say Jesus Christ is more than enough. He is more than enough. He is everything and wellspring. I want that for you. I want you to know hope. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know true satisfaction. I have lived without those things and nearly killed myself until I found Jesus as more than enough. And so this woman is hearing this conversation and she wants to drive it back to shallow waters. But thankfully, Jesus doesn't let her. Here's, here's where the conversation goes. And the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> okay, Jesus just laid all your crap out there. <laughs> Jesus just said, Five, <laughs> and, <laughs> and you, you're going to respond with, I see that you are a prophet. <laughs> okay, well, she's getting close. He's kind of a prophet, but he's way more than that. But she's, she's getting close. Our fathers worship on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Do you see where her mind goes? Jesus just laid all of that out, out and she, he's bringing up this, this relational uh, conflict in her life. And she, whether she's really thinking about it or not, she's going to a place of, of worship. Her, her heart's deep desire, whether she knows it or not, comes out. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither uh, on this mountain nor in Jerusalem we will, uh, will, worship, the, the, we will worship the Father. Jesus is saying worship is not about a location. He's saying, this is about a person. This is, this is ultimately, she's going to get this. She, this, is, this is about me. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Guess what? Worship was arguably a little exclusive or it came across that way. Jesus is saying, no, guess what? I'm here. It's for everybody. It's universal. All who are weary, come to me, and I will bring you rest. Come all who are thirsty, and I will quench your thirst. God is spirit, and those who worship it must worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus is confronting her. Jesus is bringing out all of these truths, and nowhere she goes, she goes to worship. But before she even really, she uses worship as a way to, to deflect the conversation. This is like when you and I share Jesus with somebody. It's going in a great direction, but then all of a sudden they're like, but I have this question. Did Adam have a belly button? And you're like, what? I have, like, okay, well, Jesus, okay, but, but Republican or Democrat? Uh, I don't care. Uh, but, okay, but, but, and, and they act like, what do you think about amusations? I don't care. Can we get back to talking about Jesus? And, and this is what Jesus is doing here. Jesus looks at her and says, worship, that's irrelevant right now. What you're talking about, the location, that's irrelevant right now. You want to know what is relevant? Worshiping God for all that he is because he has fixed the disconnect between us, between mankind and God. He's communicating what really matters is, is who and how we worship the one true Jesus. And so I saw clarity. I went in that season where I jumped off the fence and, and was uh, diving into my relationship with Jesus. And I've read this to you guys before, but I want to I read it again where on May 7th, after about like five months of this journey, I, I wrote this. I wrote, I'm sitting in a Panera waiting for Justin to take his final. Justin's my brother. I guess I haven't written in a while, but the truth is I need to. There's a lot on my mind lately, as there normally is. 
Uh, and, and today is, is not something any different. I desire to be in a healthy, godly relationship. But I need to ask myself if I desire to be the man I need to be in a godly, healthy relationship. And so, I, and there's more there, but like I was journaling, and, and you can tell that I started to ask the right questions. I started, you can see in that like where I was and where I, where I got into at that point where, where I was gaining clarity. And, and thankfully, because of that, that, that time stamp of my brother's final, I can remember clear as day uh, in this Panera Bread, putting this down, finishing it up, and driving over to American Eagle with my mommy uh, and my nana. <laughs> and I was going there to get my paycheck before some of the, uh, the celebrations of uh, gra graduation and whatnot. And as I went to get my paycheck, uh, this girl that I had just recently hired, this blonde girl, came, came walking over to me, all bubbly and flirtatious, like I was the greatest thing since sliced cheese, and it was glorious. Uh, and so there I met Ava. And, uh, and she, she did not know that day that she was meeting for the first time her future mother-in-law and her future, uh, her future grandmother of, of sorts. I met Ava that day when God got me to a place where I was really wrestling. Where I got to a place where, where I knew that the greatest relationship in my life was Jesus Christ. And everything else had to fall in line. That only a relationship with Jesus Christ was of great value. All the other relationships could not be of greatest value because then they would take the place of God Almighty. So you may, you may never date again. You may never get married. You, 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 may, you may not get married. But would you stop looking down on yourself? Would you stop letting society look down on you? Because if if you are single in this place, guess what? The Bible, God Almighty, looks at you in a privileged position as you look to Jesus and to no other. Look at yourself the way God looks at you as a child, as a woman, as a son of the king. And if you are married, if you are, if you are seeking that, I should say, if you are seeking that, why would God? God may bring you a husband. God may bring you somebody today. God may bring you that significant other. But why would he bring you that significant other? If that person is going to be an object of worship, if that person is going to distract you from Jesus Christ, if that person is going to take you from the one relationship that truly counts, your quest for relationship will only serve as a distraction until you find Jesus as more than enough. And so Jesus can ends this conversation. Here's how it ends. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, for he has called who is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all these things. She's bypassing. She's saying the conversation's over. Like, this is getting a little confusing. And so when Jesus comes, he's going to be coming at some point. Like, we can just take care of this later. We'll delay this conversation. We'll tackle this later. And then Jesus said to her, I, who speak to you, am he. You're trying to bypass. You're trying to deflect. You're trying to delay. And Jesus is right here saying, here I am. You want, you want perspective, you go to insta, 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 insta. You want instant perspective. You're going all these places. What if we instantly went to Jesus' per per perspective? Everything else I think will fall into place. And so when she's going here, here, and here, Jesus is saying, I'm living water. Jesus is saying what he is saying to her, what he is saying to you today. Stop looking other places for contentment. I'll give you contentment. I'm what will satisfy you. No earthly relationship will fulfill you until your relationship with Jesus truly fulfill you, fulfills you. And even then, all earthly relationships are simply an extension of true fulfillment flowing from Jesus Christ. And so those that have this, this longing in their heart, they go spiritually dead. They go spiritually longing to Jesus saying, I am sorry. 
I've gone here for quenching. I've gone here for quenching. I've gone here for quenching. None of it has truly fulfilled me. And Jesus, I'm coming to you to be fulfilled. I'm coming to you confessing my sins, saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I'm done looking in all of these other places. Jesus, I come to you and to you alone in repentance of sin. And for many of us, we would say amen to that. We would say, yes, I've longed for that. I have this. This is awesome. This is glorious. And you might hear others say that, amen, in a worship song. You might say, man, I want this too. But then where do we go? Do we join her in deflection? Do we join her in delaying? Do we join her in saying, man, yeah, it'd be great to have, have that sort of relationship. I'm waiting for the promised one. Well, Jesus is looking at you and saying, search no more. Here I am. Find it in me. And so I, I, I get married to Ava, and uh, we, we thought that, we, that we, we, we had fulfillment in Jesus Christ, and, and we did, but then as, as we got married, as we, as we got, were married for a while, we found that that kind of started to slip, and, and what really brought it to the surface was, was Wellspring Church. Wellspring Church, in, in some ways, saved, saved our marriage. Because when, when, when we were confronted with planting this church, Ava, Ava had gone to a point where she was trying to place all of her security in me where she was putting that pressure on me to, 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 to find that she could be secure in life in, in me. And so then she was like, hey, let's plan a church. We don't know where the paycheck is going to come. We don't really know about insurance. We, like all of Ava's insecurities were just blown up, and I couldn't meet that. And so this whole process forced her to say, where am I going to truly find security? Is it going to be in Jesus or is it going to be? And then for me, I was in a, in a, I was in a bigger church. Uh, I was in a youth ministry. I was the Christian version of coasting. I could just work my job and sail off into the sunset, and everything would be good. I was coasting. I was working hard. I didn't need Jesus for ministry. And so I got confronted with this, this planning of a church where a vision would be bigger than me, where this would be uncomfortable, where reaching out to the community would be uncomfortable. And that's exactly where I needed to be to say that, no, Christ alone is going to fulfill me. Christ alone is going to make me comfortable. Christ alone is also going to bring me to a place of being uncomfortable. Why? Because I fulfill you, Jason. Now go bring me to the ends of the world. And so through this process, I can say to you in front of my wife, my wife doesn't fulfill me. I can say to you knowing that my kids will hear this next service. Guess what? My kids do not fulfill me. And so I can say to you, a crowd of people, you and this church does not fulfill me. What fulfills me is Jesus Christ, and he alone can fulfill me. And so without Christ at the center, what is intended to be good, a relationship, a church, all that is good in life, without Christ at the center becomes a deity. Becomes the, the our version of delaying, becomes our version of a distraction. And so here's this woman in, in the midst of the, of the desert that day, if you will. She's spiritually dead and she's emotionally empty. She's not really living life, she's merely existing. And so my question for us today, that our, our big thought is something that I want you to ponder, what she's pondering that day. Which is it going to be? Stay thirsty, my friend, or thirst no more? Which is it? Stay thirsty, my friend, or thirst no more.
For those that have said yes to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. I don't have to look to all the peripheral stuff. I don't have to look outside of myself to find satisfaction. I get to look within where the Holy Spirit lives as he guides my mind to what is above, to Jesus Christ. He fills every need in my life. No earthly relationship will truly quench my thirst. Only Jesus can quench my thirst. Until he does, there will always be something missing. Chuck, uh, Chuck Swindoll tells this story. One of my Marine Corps friends who, who, uh, who had seen more than his fair share of combat once said, the men on the front lines never complained about the food. It was the guys furthest from the battle who grumbled the most and, and when, and when stand, uh, who grumbled the most when standing in the chow line. He says life and death struggle has a way of keeping things into perspective. My friend Lori used to complain about being single. And then she got overwhelmed with the mission of Jesus Christ. I no longer hear her complaining. I hear her longing for, for, for a relationship, but I don't hear her complaining. Why? Because those on the front lines don't have time to complain. So I'm inviting you to get on mission for Jesus Christ. And if God wants to bring you somebody, he will. And if God wants to bring you somebody that's going to further the mission of Jesus Christ, he will bring them. But I'm inviting you to stop complaining. I'm inviting you to stop getting caught up in all of the peripheral type things. I'm inviting you to find Jesus as eternally satisfying. They're passing out communion cups right now. Here's my challenge for us as we enter into a time of worship and communion. My challenge to us right now is to identify and remove. I don't know what, what, where you are going, but I know that God has put something on your heart to identify it and remove it right now. So you might need to send a text message. You might say, I went to this crazy church. I don't know how I got there, but I'm confronted with this. We done. This relationship is over. Send the text. Have the conversation later. Or you might have a subscription that is eating up all of your time. It's time to get up on the app, cancel the subscription, and turn it all over to Jesus. To say, Jesus, you are everything. I'm going to fill this time, not with another quenching, not with, like, I'm going to be quenched by you, Jesus. This woman in this moment is spiritually further from God than she's ever been, yet closest to God in this moment. And where does Jesus invite her? He invites her to consider worship. He brings her to a place of worship. So where you might be conflicted, you're not here by accident. And so I invite you along with all my brothers and sisters who know Jesus Christ to worship the one true God. Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Tom's River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you, and we hope you have a fantastic week.